the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Welcome. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter will be joining us uh, uh, shortly, I hope. I talked to him this morning, and he said he had a, a conflict that was overlapping. He would be a little bit late, but he would join us in progress. And uh, and finally, uh, joining us for this week's uh, roundtable is uh, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson. Good morning, Jan. Welcome. Good morning, good morning. I hope that you can hear me okay and clearly today. Morning, Jan. I, you're coming good through morning. loud and clear so far. So um, Good, excellent. We're, we're trying a different line with Jan, Paul, so <laughs> we're, we're, we're just kind of checking the audio levels before we get rolling. But as we do get rolling, we always start out with a few quotes, including uh, the, the first one modeled after Flint-based comedian Mark Bonto's Facebook feature, Finish the Joke. We open Armchair Politics with Finish the Quote, where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? And it goes like this. You can disagree without what? How would you finish this quote? Being disagreeable. I think I've... That's it. That's, that's, oh, that's the okay. I, I thought I'd heard that somewhere, but I'm not <laughs> sure who said that, though. Well, Very simple. In, simple and elegant. In this particular case, it's uh, the, the original quote is, you can disagree without being disagreeable, and it's being attributed to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, oh. And, and I thought by using that quote to open things up today, we could kind of kill two birds with one stone. We could, you know, sort of acknowledge that there's a Supreme Court nomination going on. And uh, this is also, um, I think it's uh, International Women's History Month. 
fact, yes, isn't, isn't, is. her birth, isn't her birthday either today or yesterday? I thought I saw something on Facebook that her birthday was, again, within a day or two of today, I believe. I, I, you could be. I, I missed it, if if that's true. I, I've, I've missed it. But... Um, Let's see. Uh, one of the quotes that uh, that caught my attention, as long as uh, I brought up the the Supreme Court, the difference is you have nine people who sit on the highest court in the land who are there for life, and it requires a level of review and scrutiny that is in line with the position. So yeah, this is a different game. Hmm. Gee. Um, um. Oh. Could it be um, the guy who's hosting Jackson around? Uh, what's that guy's name? Um, no, but you're you're very warm, uh, Jan. It was that that <laughs> quote actually came from uh, Senator Lisa Markowski, and oh, uh, there we go. Oh, last year, last year she was one of just three Republicans who voted to elevate Judge Katanji. Um, Brown Jackson to the second most important court in the country. Now, in the middle of an election yeah. year, she is faced with a new choice: promoting her to the highest court in the land. Murkowski isn't yet sure what to do. If she votes for Jackson, she's bound to give fresh ammunition to a Trump-backed challenger trying to remove her from the seat she's held for the past two decades. Yet, if she opposes Jackson, she'll be accused of reversing course to insulate herself from campaign attacks. Um, <laughs> to what degree is Lisa Murkowski between a rock and a hard place? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. That's true for, for any Republicans who go against Trump, it seems, these days. And, and, and Murkowski has done that on more than a few occasions, so... I mean, I, I suspect she's fairly secure where she is in Alaska, but uh, you never know. You never know. Boy, um, gone are the days when Supreme Court nominees used to get like 90 votes in the Senate. Huh? It's uh, Times have really changed. That's right, Jan. Yeah, it used to be almost automatic that once the president appointment made an appointment that it was pretty much a done deal for the Senate, but now it's... It was, it was almost like it was a formality. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like appointing an ambassador or something, but of course now the ambassadors are, are embattled as well. Um, <laughs> and even, yeah. even the appointments to the Federal Reserve Board. I see the, uh, the proposed yeah. appointment to the Federal Reserve is, is stepping aside because of, uh, of, of Manchin's opposition. Jamie Raskin's wife. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. Is this is this uh, is this Supreme Court nominee going to get through? Do you think? Well, well I think so. Most that's, that's my take. What are you hearing, Tom? I, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a couple of Republicans, maybe even more than a few. But uh, as I say, it's just come down to this 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 party line vote on almost everything, with only a few minor exceptions. Well, they're they're in a position to do it by straight party line vote, but I think they'll pick up a couple Republicans. So they'll, yeah, they'll I think have you're right. just yeah. a little breathing room. Um, and, and that's really the nature of this question with Markowski, because she would have been one of the Republicans you could right. kind of reliably yeah. 
think that she would go along with supporting, but here she's admitting that, that she's in kind of a tough spot, and it's not going to be as as easy as people think for her to uh, support uh, Judge Brown again, or Judge Jackson again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess uh, we're just sort of living on the knife's edge in general every day in this <laughs> That's true. Every Everything single one comes out of this nail, kind of thing. A nail biter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here is uh, one of a number of <laughs> really interesting quotes in in a story that was uh, in the Free Press recently. Um, there was no plan. There was no agreement, and there was no kidnapping. Oh, some kind of a defense, a defense yeah, of the, uh, the, yeah. the Whitmer kidnappers. Yeah, you're right. It was attorney Joshua Blanchard. Yeah. The suspects charged with plotting to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer were stoners who got so high <laughs> that they talked about attaching Whitmer to a kite and flying her over a lake. <laughs> about barking in the woods to get her to come out of her house or playing loud music at night to get her attention, a, de- a defense lawyer argued Wednesday. Um, is conspiring to kidnap the governor a new drinking game in Michigan? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, yeah, well, it's a bizarre so defense. Was, Go ahead, Jan. Was she saying they were drunk or they were high? Yes. It matters to me as a as a wife of a medical marijuana fan. It, and, it, uh, it's um, they were saying basically both. They, they were saying these are people who get high all the time, and that yeah. they say outrageous things, and that they shouldn't be held accountable. For those things that she said. Normally, if you threaten the president, if you threaten a governor with assassination, with kidnapping, with with any kind of bodily harm, um, it's it's automatically a crime. Just that you said it yeah. out loud. Absolutely. And the defense yeah. Yeah. is trying to argue that these guys aren't capable, that they're so high, they're not capable to use the judgment not to say these wild things out loud. And that they I shouldn't. I hope that argument gets laughed out of the courtroom. Well, well, I, I was, I was thinking it might. I mean, I, from what I've read about it, I mean, they they did a lot more planning than just they, they said some crazy things, but they also planned some pretty crazy things too. This uh, probably would not have happened if they were high. So I. But this is what they, the, this is what the defense uh, attorney was trying to say, is that, and this yeah. is the nature of of the original quote: there was no plan. There was no mm. agreement, and there was no kidnapping. They never really did go through with the kidnapping, but he's saying there really wasn't a plan. There there really wasn't yeah. an agreement. It was just talk and crazy talk. Well, I think they should throw the bong at him. <laughs> <laughs> good move, good move, Jed. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's like saying somebody that was a drunk driver that hit a person uh, shouldn't be held responsible because they were so drunk. I mean, that's the reason they yeah, yeah. It It really kind of is, mean, ridiculous. Jan. Um, but but I have to tell you that when I was reading this story 
looking at the pictures of these guys while yeah. while reading descriptions <laughs> yeah. of them talking about Whitmer, um, uh, you know, attaching her to a kite and flying her over the lake and, you know, all these outrageous things. And you're looking at these guys, and it kind of makes the defense attorney's <laughs> case. You know, I was I was just thinking this gives you kind of a new definition for high crimes and misdemeanors, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I wrestled with whether or not to put this story in the X Files. We always talk about how the the X Files are these, you know, hard to believe but true stories and how it, the line is getting blurred between, you know, mainstream news and That's headlines true. and what we consider the X Files. Um, anyway, it's uh, yeah, a little bit. A little uh, bit I, don't, I don't think we can afford to have these. Whether they're stoners or not, we can't afford to have these losers in anywhere near any of us. In my view, yeah, I think that's kind of a kind of a desperation defense that they're reaching for. Well, and and what else? You know, with with a bunch of people who who basic basically conspired to kidnap the governor of Michigan. What kind of defense can an attorney come up with? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, like I say, let's, 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 let's try yeah. this car and see if it flies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brother. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it, you know, it's, it's really kind of a, if you were one of these uh, political thriller writers, uh, Patterson or, or Grisham or those, this is the kind of plot that they would cook up for, for one of these uh, uh, political thriller books. It's just so off the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you know, but what's is. interesting <laughs> is with the approach that the defense attorney is taking, he's trying to make them seem too cartoony to be taken seriously yeah. in, in, yeah. A, in a book well, by Grisham or Baldacci or somebody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, there are times when, even if that's true, stupid isn't funny, and uh, this was not funny. It wasn't. And uh, I think they should exile them from the tribe, so to speak. With these guys where they can't... Uh, but you know what bothers me the most, Jan? What? Is how many people in Michigan are just like these guys. Oh, that's true. I know. That, it's, that, that, I mean, it, I know. you know, when it, it's easy to look at, at three or four of these guys and remember the, the old days of Australia and just ship them off you know, to, <laughs> to the land down under. Uh, you know, it, yeah. if you got four or five people, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I, I might look the other way for that. But there are so many of them. How do we how do we set a standard? that makes people want to behave more civilized. Yeah, well, you know, in fact, that demonstration around the state capitol was almost a rehearsal for what happened on January 6th, and at least in the eyes of many people. And, and you're exactly right. that these, these guys, maybe they were at the extreme fringe, but they were hardly alone in their overall attitude. Right. Hey, we have to take a, uh, a short break here, but um, we will have more armchair politics on uh, today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program with uh, Paul Rosicki and uh, Jan Worth Nelson joining us this week. Hopefully Henry Hatter will uh, join us uh, sometime soon. 
um, for today's uh, edition of Armchair Politics. In the meantime, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as Everybody's well. doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Attorney General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen... We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, 
Where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue with uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Still waiting for Henry Hatter to join us, but we have uh, our roundtable regular Paul Rosicki joined by a, uh, a frequent uh, guest and uh, participant uh, at the roundtable, Jan Worth Nelson, uh, consulting editor for East Village Magazine. And uh, the city council has censured President Eric Mays after a majority of his colleagues singled him out for lack of decorum during a meeting earlier this month. Council voted 6-0 to zero with three members abstaining from the censure vote, which doesn't impose any specific penalty on Mays. After hours of debate during a council meeting that stretched from the afternoon of Monday, March 14th until the early morning hours on uh, Tuesday, March 15th, several council members have been critical of Mays for his role in the February 28th meeting in which they say his language and tone was insulting to city staff and others. In the same meeting, the council president ordered the removal of... uh, Uh, The council president, which is Eric Mays, ordered the removal of two members for being disruptive and several others walked out, breaking the council's quorum. Mays said Monday that he said nothing offensive to city employees during the meeting and advised others to take your focus off me because I'm not going to change. (laughs) That's the reason? (laughs) Is Eric Mays politically bulletproof? He, he, in his ward, he wins by a big margin. Every at least so far, he has. But I, I was watching that meeting, and I, I mean, I, it was at least the, the part that I watched was all a matter of bickering over the rules with between Eric and much of the rest of the council until about twelve thirty. Uh, and, and and I called the quits about then, and I, I gather it went until almost three o'clock in the morning, two thirty or three o'clock. I saw somebody posted that so. Uh, Tom Travis said that after when they decided to move to sanction him, it still took him five hours to decide if they were going to do it. Is yeah, that true. That sounds about right. I, again, I, there, there were um, the three abstentions were um, interesting. Uh, of course, Eric Mays being one of them, but the other two, um, Winfrey Carter was one. And uh, Pfeiffer was the other one. Who? Who? Oh, Pfeiffer, yeah. Yeah, well, he's, he's uh, often been seen as an ally of Mazes, I think. I mean, at least he's been characterized that way. <clears throat> so, I so, you know, I, I, guess I, mean, I, I, was, I watched it, and it seemed like it went on for about five hours, just big bickering over the, uh, the, the censure of, of who was going to be included in the censure and whether it would be just Mays or they tried to throw a few other people into the, into the ball of wax as well, but... That didn't pass, uh, but as you say, it took five hours to even get to that point before they got to any of the the real council business somewhere around the middle of the night. 
Well, I like this quote from Eric Mays. He says, take your focus off me because I'm not going to change. And it reminded me a little bit of when he was on the show during the last uh, city council election. So I went through the archive and I pulled up a little a little snippet. Um, and, and we'll take a listen right now. It's, it's pretty short. You know, I can take okay. the criticism. I can take the constructive criticism and people don't like um, my techniques, but I'll continue to use them because they work and the people I represent appreciate my fight. What do you think about that? You know, Paul, mm-hmm. you're always, you know, um, quick to point out that, um, that Eric Mays is undefeatable in his ward. It seems to be the case, I say at least, except for a few unopposed candidates, I think he's always won by the largest margin of the city council candidates. Which was true the last time, wasn't it? Seventy percent of the vote? I don't don't recall the exact percentage now, but it was quite substantial, I'm sure. But he he has not um, just said in that uh, in that interview when he was on my show um, back during the election that I'm not going to change. Uh, you know what I'm doing works for me. I can I just say that I think he has the most fabulous voice of anybody that's ever been on your show and maybe in the world. Oh, that's yeah. He's got. <laughs> <laughs> I think his voice works. That that voice of his. I think there's I some truth know. to that. I. Mean, I uh, I had I had a friend who was who was, who attended ch- the same church he went to and they loved him in, in the church choir because he had that great voice for the choir. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not so sure that going beyond that it's good news for the city council. So I mean, to some extent, um, okay. So he gets elected by the first ward, but does it, does he have to be the president? And on that, we have eight other city council members to blame quote unquote for him being the president uh yeah I, so i mean if you want if you if you see him as an obstructive figure which i do um often very brilliant in his assessments of things in some ways but so obstructive um i think the council other council members need to be thinking about what it means that first of all they elected him president and second of all Really, how do you cope with somebody that that does that? And when he says, take your focus away from me because I'm not going to change, that's such an interesting comment. I mean, from a behavioral standpoint, if you ignore bad behavior, some would say that it goes away eventually. I don't know if that's the case with him, but, you know, it, it might be interesting to experiment with uh, what the behaviorists call putting him on extinction, or you just don't give him any kind of attention when those things happen. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that some of them on the, on the council feel pretty desperate about it. But um, one might ask, what what is it that keeps that behavior of his going? You know, the behaviors would say, what kind of reward is he getting for his, being the way he is? His, his twisting of uh, parliamentary procedure. He, and the uh, bottom line is, he he gets he gets attention. I mean, when you when you take a look right. at who gets who gets uh, interviewed when the council does something, it's almost always Eric Mays for one interview. Yeah. So it, it does attract attention. I mean, if, if somebody <clears throat> else was president, would they have the ability to um, shut him down? 
Well, you know, that's a good point, Jen, because even when he wasn't, before he was council president, he was still a fairly disruptive force. I mean, maybe it was a little easier to, to slow him down, but all things considered, we still had these 8, 10, 12-hour meetings when he wasn't president, too. So I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of encouraged by the fact that a couple of folks who did uh, su- support him as president did vote against him on the censorship, on the cen- censure issue. And maybe that's a sign of change. I don't know. But if he's still on the council, my guess is it'll it'll be all too similar, uh, even if he's not president. I'm afraid. Yeah, it's really <clears> tricky <throat> to figure out how to how to stem that that kind of behavior that dominates that dominating behavior. It's uh, it's like a, it's like when a kid throws a tantrum. You know, um, it's really hard to stop that once it gets rolling. It's, it's really hard to not give it attention. Well, and I would contend that. Go ahead. My 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 concern is, or or the thing that I would raise, um, is that the parliamentary procedures and authorities exist to curb that sort of behavior yeah but yeah. you need a bigger bully in order to implement them <laughs> yeah. against <clears throat> eric mays and then is it a little like releasing the kraken you know if if, yeah. you, if you find somebody that can take him out do you end up with a bigger problem <laughs> it's that, what, what, what strikes me too is that frequently when he behaves that way, it seems to encourage somewhat vaguely similar behavior from a few other council members as well. I mean, the whole the whole yeah. atmosphere becomes so negative that nobody is yeah. really on, on on message. Well, yeah, After a few you... hours of it, I think they just freak out. It's like ah, I cannot get in it, ah! and then all of a sudden you've got the whole the whole thing is just downhill. Well, that's what happened on the 28th, right, Paul? Yeah. When they had, um, Eric ended up uh, bouncing two members out of the meeting. And then a couple others just were shaking their heads and said, no, I'm out of here too. And and they left, and then the quorum was gone. And, you know, the, the meeting was functionally scuttled. Yeah. In fact, in a larger larger sense, I I really wonder how anybody, even in a normal meeting, could make sensible decisions after an eight or ten hour meeting. I mean, I, I'd be so exhausted. I would uh, I wouldn't know what I was voting on under the best of conditions. Not to mention the the chaos that goes on with Eric Mays and and the rest of the council. But just meetings that long, you just got to be so thoroughly exhausting i and i read in terms of this last meeting it went on until close to three o'clock that apparently some of the council members were supposed to be in lansing at eight o'clock or eight thirty the next morning i have no idea how that worked out but it's it's for those on the council how how, how do you make a reasonable rational decision when you've been sitting there for eight hours straight i don't know right and and it makes me think again about the voters um I mean, so he keeps getting reelected, and his constituents believe that he's good for them, right? That seems to be uh, the, the few who vote, <clears throat> the few who actually vote. Good point, yeah. Uh, he, he, you know, and so I keep going back to the state of our democracy. It's like w- the voters of Flint, it's, the turnouts are pathetic, and what people are voting on 
to me is sometimes perplexing. Uh, and okay, so apparently he does deliver for his constituents. Um, they see him as an effective council person, but there are some areas where they are going to lose out if that council can't get its act together. Or keep, you know, like for instance on the ARPA funds, I think that, you know, that's an area where the city stands to screw up with something that is available to help the city. And the council is part of the reason that's not coming through very professionally yet. So I just question how do we enliven our voters? Because that's supposedly where this all starts. I mean, he's only there because he won an election, right? Um, you know, I, 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 I see, I see in, in kind of a, almost a psychological way, I see some parallel between him and Trump in the sense that people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mad as hell and I won't take it anymore kind of stuff. And if somebody else is like that, they support him, whatever their views are, whatever they're doing, because the, the emotional connection is there. Maybe that's a factor right. for him. Well, there's a, there's a sense yeah. of um, anti-establishment. Right, right. You know, it's 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 the yeah. drain the swamp mentality. Yeah, and, no, I think I think like I can well, say it's almost an emotional anger, more so than any particular policy or program right. that's out there. Yeah, um, I just read a column um, about it was a Nation of Change actually, which it surprised me because they're very lefty, um, sort of defending Joe Biden and examining why Joe Biden's approval ratings are not good, even considering that a lot has been accomplished. And they're basically making that same point that you're trying to make, Paul, that for some reason people really are drawn to and like that sort of feisty anti, uh, anti-authoritarian attitude of Trump, let's say. They like the drama of it. You know, they don't care about the policy. Yeah. A lot of Trump supporters... I don't even think if you ask them to talk about anything like foreign policy or anything, they would not give a damn. They just like their guy, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I sometimes wonder if that's... Uh, well, me, on that very same, let me offer an example. There's, there's a, a, a person I know, kind of a neighbor of sorts, who is, is for the most part, had been a Trump supporter. But his second choice, if he didn't have Trump, was Bernie Sanders. So, I mean, in terms yeah. of policy, how different can you get? But again, he's kind of angry yeah. at the system, and whoever's against the system, he's, he supports them. So it's an interesting combination. Well, let's and it's such, a deep, it's such a deep vein in, in Flint in our history. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, it is, and, and largely because of the um, logjam between labor and management for so many decades. True. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, Eric Mays was on the working workers' side always. So. Yeah, he was a union official at one point, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was. He was. Eighth yeah. Ward Councilman Dennis Pfeiffer is taking a new approach to an old problem in Flint. Instead of padlocks for nuisances or blanket restrictions on when liquor stores can operate. Pfeiffer wants to shield residents mostly affected by spillover loitering, noise, and crime by changing a city ordinance to require convenience stores within 300 feet of any residential property line to close by 10 p.m. 
The modifications <laughs> would require convenience stores to offer brightly lit parking lots, post no loitering signs, and those stores within 300 feet of a residential property would have to <clears throat> close by 10 p.m. and remain closed until 6 a.m. the following morning. Although the ordinance amendment was scheduled to be discussed during a committee meeting uh, um, Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, I guess, March 9th, the uh, council lost its quorum before discussing or voting on the change. Before Wednesday's meeting ended, Police uh, Chief Terrence Green told Pfeiffer that he could support the proposed change, and other city officials have pushed recently for similar but broader restrictions. Would closing uh, convenience stores early curb gang activity and youth violence? Hmm. I know there's certainly been, been a, more than a handful of incidents at those locations. In fact, I think there was just a... A murder within the last few days at that one station on Ballinger and Corona that has been oh. kind of a hot spot for activity for some month for some months, and I think there was a shooting of some kind there within the last couple of days. Uh, at that look, that's uh, it's a I think it's a gas station and convenience store combination, I believe. Well, um, that it does put the responsibility on the store owner rather than dealing with the gangs themselves. Uh, and, I mean, a lot of people, <clears throat> I think, feel that the store owners are enablers of some of that action in their parking lot or they're intimidated. They don't know how to stop it. Um, I, I mean, it does. it's a hard job running one of those little, one of those stores. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's the right approach, but... Um, I appreciate, I guess I kind of appreciate Pfeiffer's attempt to make things better for the neighbors. I can't imagine. I know that some of the people in Glendale Hills really struggle with that Cheers place that's on uh, Court, on uh, West Court. It's another example there. They, they just, they're really exasperated by oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, it, it seems, uh, I, hmm. I, I, I guess I just wanted to draw people's attention to it because it seems... Um, it seems like a reasoned approach. Yeah, no, I, it's, I think yeah. I think it's worth looking at. I, I, again, I got some of Jan's mixed concerns, but I think it's it's, it's worth worth considering at least. Well, let's yeah. see if we get. Uh, I think we've got time to get this one in. Um, the county's elections supervisor has been charged in a warrant with ballot tampering and misconduct in office. When she worked, while she worked as the uh, Flint Township clerk in 2020, the warrant signed Friday shows Kathy Funk was charged with the felony counts that um, allege that she broke open or violated the seals or locks of a ballot box used in the August 2020 primary election before the final results of the election had been determined. Funk not only oversaw the August 2020 election in the township, but she was also a candidate seeking re-election as the clerk. She won re-election with uh, 2698 votes compared to 2619 for challenger Manya Triplett, according to official results from the county, but no recount was ever performed. Triplett, who was appointed to replace Funk as township clerk in November, has told MLive The Flint Journal that she asked for a recount after the election, uh, after having noticed 
uh, suspicious activity at the township hall in the days surrounding the primary. The new township clerk has said she was told a recount could not be conducted because a break-in had occurred at the clerk's office and that ballots could not be recounted as a result. In November, Mm. Funk told Flint Township trustees in a letter that she was resigning her position as township clerk and had accepted the position of elections supervisor in the office of county clerk register (laughs) John Gleason. (coughs) (laughs) I don't know why we're laughing. M Live, the Flint Journal, could not immediately reach Gleason for comment on Funk's job status on Friday, but the elections supervisor has continued to work despite a Michigan State Police investigation into the possible vote tampering. Do the charges against Funk from uh, Flint Township raise questions about her work for the county, and how does Clerk Register John Gleason fit into all this? Oh, it's so convoluted. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, with with Gleason, not only is there, is there this issue, but there's also been that issue about the uh, the recall from Matthew Smith and the squabbling over the signatures there. So, it, I mean, nothing's proven and all that, but uh, certainly it, it suggests there's something funny going on in, in that office. I guess is about the best way to phrase it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I just have so much dread hearing this story because I think that we're going to have we're going to face stories like this a oh, yeah. hundred times over in every damn election that's going up. And, Although, uh, I was going to say, in one, one sense, though, the good the good news is that 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 here we are. We're taking action. I mean, this this did not go right. unnoticed, and they're, right. they're taking the. In fact, it's a, it's a Democratic attorney general taking action against a Democratic clerk. So even there, where there are, there is mis, uh, misdoings, that action is being yeah. taken there. So you take, I take some solace in that, at least. Uh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> <coughs> I think well, this is going to be our world for the next yeah, and, and I think you're right. That, yeah, with all all of the squabbling about the 2020 election, and everything else, every time somebody miscounts a ballot, it becomes a, a big story. And the thing is, if if uh, 2020 hindsight <laughs> re- <laughs> results in um, somehow undermining or or refuting that election. In any way, in any yeah. of the offices, yeah. anywhere on the ballot, from president all the way down, we will never have a clean election again. Mm. I know this. Like, there's never, yeah. there's never going to be, there's never going to be an acceptance of. And, and that, that's a real great danger process. for democracy. I mean, if the final analysis, if you don't trust the elections, you're not going to trust much of anything beyond that. And if every election ends up in the courts. If every election ends up in lawsuits and recounts and yeah. audits that go on forever, I mean, yikes! You know, well, that's true. And I think that's I think that's the way we're headed. Yeah, no, like I said, I think I think it's a real danger for demo- for this idea of democracy that it really threatens that in a way we hadn't seen for a long time. Um, yeah. Well, uh, it is here. We are fighting for democracy in Ukraine and our own country. Yeah. We're. <laughs> we're having a whole 
series of events that are undermining our own democracy. It's just so ironic. Yeah, it 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 really is, and um, I'm I'm a little concerned that the bat that that the war's already been lost, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll look at that some more. With we've got lots more to talk about, but we have a short break coming up here, and then we will continue today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program right after this. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner Program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues today on the Tom Sumner Program. The roundtable regulars, uh, Paul Rosicki, well, and and I was going to say, and Henry Hatter, but we still haven't uh, heard from Henry. He said he would be running late, but he would try to join us in progress. And uh, rounding out the roundtable today, we have from East Village Magazine, Jan Worth Nelson. And uh, welcome back, Paul and Jan. Good to be here. Good to be with you, Tom. And and Henry, come back, wherever you are. Uh, <laughs> Linden voters will soon have the ability to vote in or strike down a millage that will pay for police and fire services in the city, freeing up general fund dollars for other items. Linden voted to amend the city charter to seek the additional millage, at a council meeting in late February, the resolution passed unanimously will provide voters with the opportunity to approve a permanent millage to fund police and fire protection services through a levy of five mills to take effect in 2022. If passed, the five mills would raise $621,885 for police and fire operations. The millage was originally intended for the May ballot, according to a memo in the city council agenda. Linden had to uh, postpone the vote until August because it still needs approval from the Michigan Attorney General's office for the charter amendment. The city's current charter only allows 13.5 mills to be levied, and the additional 5 mills under the police and fire millage would push the millage amount over the allotted limit. Do you think the AG will sign off, and if so, uh, will this initiative be successful? Well, I'm, I'm guessing that is this. I'm guessing this is based upon the uh, the growth of Linden's population is from a very small city to a somewhat larger city. And that's that's a pretty common route for a lot of areas as they as they develop. Um, I beyond beyond that, I don't know what what the issues might be in Linden, uh, but I'm, I'm guessing that it reflects the growth of the area uh, and needing more police protection. Well, you know, being a, um, if I were to play the devil's advocate, I would say if the population is increasing. Wouldn't the amount of taxes being collected at the existing rates yeah, be true. increasing as well? Right. And, yeah, and why yeah. why change the rates if that's the case? Why why go beyond yeah. what the the set limits have been? That's true. That makes that's sense. True. It's like it, 
it's punishing the it's all to use Paul's uh, approach. It's almost like punishing the newcomers in town. It's like are all these new people that are moving to Linden uh, uh, criminals, more criminal inclined, yeah. or something? Well, are they bringing well, more crime with them? Welcome to Linden. We're raising your taxes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. If you want to be safe, you have to pay for it when you move to Linden. Right, right. So, hmm. so I see your point there, Devil's Advocate. Well, I it just um, you know I I understand that that in cities like Flint that are shrinking that we have a lot of uh, problems fiscally. You know, because the the revenues just keep dropping. But in an area where revenues are growing, why do you then have to, you know, stretch the the envelope? And I think there have been at least a few cases around here where in those small cities there have been some of those police millages voted down. Not very many, but I think there have been a couple where that's been a tough sell to to the local voters. Has the crime rate increased in Linden? Not that not that I could tell, and not from anything that was reported in this particular story. Hmm. So, I mean, are they just thinking that it will, so they better be prepared for it? Or, I mean, you know, it's it does it it doesn't quite makes sense to me. Or they're, they're afraid all those fun criminals are going to come down to Linden? <laughs> yeah, watch out for that. Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, the, the only the thing is, the, the only thing I can think of, you know, and Paul, when you bring up the, the increase in, in population and, and the growth of the area, that they're trying to come up with a way to raise more money for police and fire and it says right right in the story that their their goal is to free up general fund dollars for other items and maybe that's about roads and bridges and you know things to support yeah, growth okay. in the community but i think there needs to be a better case made for that um if because it, it it seems like the levels they set, if the revenue from the growth is growing, that it should keep up. You know, that yeah. they shouldn't have yeah. to make that accommodation. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's true. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm assuming the property values as well are probably increasing there, too. I, again, I, I don't know how much Linda may have grown with the last census offhand, but uh, I'm guessing there's probably some growth there. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, here's here's another thing that, that caught my attention. Are cases that go through the Genesee County Prosecutor's Office resolving in equal punishments? A new system the office is uh, receiving will help determine that. The system, which won't be entirely implemented until 2023, 
will allow the prosecutor's office to break down the cases they handle, sorting them through a variety of categories, such as a person's race. Genesee County Prosecutor uh, David Layton said the system will allow his office to track how those cases are adjudicated. One more step, he says, will help ensure his office is prosecuting cases in a manner that's fair and equitable to everyone in Genesee County. Um, what do you think the prosecutor's office will find when this tracking begins? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I would guess, and this is purely a guess, that, I mean, this, and this is true nationwide, and I don't think true just for Flint. You're probably going to find some racial disparities and maybe some class disparities as well, I would think. But uh, in terms of... of and, go ahead, Janet. I, I was just going to say, and what's the reason for this again? It's in the name of assuring it's te it's technology. It's technology. It's technology that's available to install in into the office um, that would keep track of cases they handle and the outcomes, and 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 then. Um, come up with reports that would indicate whether um, the cases were being like for example and and this is the the best example I can think of is in cases involving uh, drug related crimes are the sentences that are being handed mm -hmm. out Right. Um, yeah, they, they, they find they different for black defendants and white defendants, and and they'll be able to look at that mathematically, and and for the purposes of maybe trying to restructure the way they do things and and the sentences they yeah. uh, pursue. Yeah, you know, if they find some some upper middle class white kid with cocaine compared to a kid on North Detroit Street or North King King Boulevard. With cocaine, are the sentences the same? And I, and yeah. I, and I, I suspect yeah. they're not, but because it's been yeah, true yeah. for so many other things nationwide. Well, I mean, I guess my reaction is generally data about significant actions uh, is is a good thing. I mean, knowing more about what's happening seems to be a good thing, mm -hmm. and it may dictate uh, changes in our in in behavior, or it may indicate. Um, things that need to be addressed. So I, I mean, it's going to be controversial, whatever they find, probably. But uh, we've lost our faith in good data over the last few years. So, you know, using using data to determine our actions, what a what an idea. You know, it's kind of. I think I'm for it. And I, and I would hope that um, whatever they find, that if if there's things that need correcting, that be a, a way of correcting those. Those inequities. I mean, it's, I, right. I, I see it as a very positive thing in that sense. Um, there have been all kinds of studies that I've seen with regard to driving while black. I mean, in terms of who gets stopped and who doesn't get stopped for driving five miles or ten miles over the speed limit in certain areas. And there's been a lot of studies showing great disparities along racial lines for those kind of things. And I would suspect it applies to other areas as well. But once yeah. it's known, hopefully there will be a way of correcting some of that. What conclusions are drawn from data is, um, 
you know, you can use numbers to make any kind of arguments, I guess. Uh, you know, one thing I wouldn't want to see happen is if the data shows that there's a lot more crimes in one particular neighborhood that, that the victims or that the neighborhoods or the, the <laughs> they get blamed, that that's what would come out of that data. It's like, see, we told you so, those crime-ridden areas up there. Um, you see what I'm saying? That sometimes yeah, that kind yeah. of data could be used to, uh, to further some... Um, characterizations that are um, not helpful to justice, I think. So I don't know. But I, I don't know. I, I think knowing more if the data is well put together is good for us. And it would be nice if we had a little more respect for factual assessments of what's going on than we have in the last few years. Well, on that note, we're going to take a, uh, a very quick break for top of the hour show ID, and then we'll come back with the second half of Armchair Politics. Henry's been trying to get through on my cell phone, so I suspect we'll be connecting oh. up with Henry here very shortly. Uh, and and okay. there he is. We'll be back with uh, more armchair politics right after Hi, I'm this. Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.